Have you ever wondered if it's possible to live in sync with your cycle instead of against it? Do you struggle with a negative mindset around sex with your spouse? Are you wondering if it's possible to live a full, healthy life without using contraception? We're going to explore these questions and so many more in the Managing Your Fertility podcast because this is about helping you live a whole and full life. I'm your host and guide, Bridget Busacker, joining you in the journey of exploration related to women's healthcare, sex and intimacy in marriage, and everything related to fertility awareness. Are you ready? Let's get started. I am so glad you're on the journey with me. Hey, welcome back to the show. I'm really excited for today's interview. I get to sit down with my friend and colleague, Christina Valenzuela. She's the owner and creative director of Pearl and Thistle, where she offers a unique blend of theology and science to bring better body literacy to Catholic families and parishes. Her work is incredible. It is so helpful. I know I'm going to be using it with my girls as they get older. It's just so helpful to be able to have resources that are combining the beauty of faith and science, body and soul. She is also a certified instructor in the Boston Crosscheck Method of Natural Family Planning since 2013, and her signature course, Cycle Prep, was a 2021 OSV Innovation Challenge finalist, which is a huge deal. Super amazing. She holds an undergraduate degree in philosophy and theology from the University of Notre Dame, as well as a master's in theological studies from Harvard Divinity School. Christina is also a life professed member of the lay fraternities of St. Dominic, and she resides with her husband and four kids outside of Boston. I am so grateful to have her on. In particular, we're talking today about her book that she released. It's Cycle Charting for Single Women, the Catholic Woman's Guide to Charting Your Menstrual Cycle for Health and Wholeness. Our conversation is so fun because it gets into the nitty gritty and the nuance of what does it look like to live out this this you know, beautiful belief and understanding we hold of the human person being both and a body and soul. What does it look like to apply the the science that we have available and the methodologies that we have available for charting your cycle and understanding your body while also honoring like who God made you to be? Who are you called to be? What does it look like to embrace your body in its entirety? So we get to talk about that. We get to talk about the need for body literacy, which I think is such a great conversation to be having. And it's such a fascinating topic, especially today as we're seeing so many more conversations popping up in so many different arenas around um, body literacy, women wanting to embrace their cycles, wanting to ditch hormonal contraception. They want to feel good. They want to feel connected to themselves. And I think it's such a beautiful pursuit and speaks so beautifully to this desire we have to be integrated. And the desire that we have to be able to understand who we are. Like, what does it mean to be woman? What does it mean to have our cycles? What, is, what would it look like instead of thinking of our cycle as a curse or having these horribly painful cycles and the different symptoms that may or may not come with them? Um, what would it look like to actually understand our bodies, understand our cycles, potentially, you know, get at the root cause of some of the issues that we're having? You know, and this isn't only for women who are like struggling with their periods. Maybe you have like a really peaceful period experience. Maybe you're someone that really loves your body and you love the idea of wanting to know how your body works, but you, you want to get a little more around the wholeness aspect. Like what would it look like to be more integrated? How does this connect in with other aspects of your work, your relationships, your faith? Um, Christina has some really cool insights, even into the aspects of, um, your prayer life and, and people that she's worked with, um, where she shares some anecdotal evidence um, and that she's gathering for a a book that she is working on that's going to be released here soon. 
Um, in addition to this amazing book, she really brings some fascinating insight into how we as women can better understand ourselves and better understand and lean into our relationship with God when we understand our bodies and the way he makes us. So without further ado, I'm going to have her hop on the show and join us. I want to make sure you know her book is available on Amazon and it would make a great gift for yourself or for a friend. So if you have someone in mind that you know is interested in learning more about their bodies and they really want to have some help in just like getting started, getting comfortable, her book is beautiful. It is really well laid out. Lots of beautiful graphics. So you're not just looking at tons of text. This isn't a science textbook. This is a this is a book that is there to help you and walk you through the process of learning your body, what to look for, how you can do this, and doing it in a way that it's feasible for you. It's doable for you. So I'm so excited to be able to have this interview and for this book to be available. And you can catch everything about Christina, including her bio and the show notes, her website, her courses that she provides, and the book link. Uh, in the show notes. I am so excited for you to listen and let's jump to it. Christina, I'm so excited to have you back on the show and talking about your new book. So tell us more about this book, why you wrote it and what you see the need for in writing this book, who you're serving, all the things. Just, oh, just, yeah. give, it, just, give, it, just give it all. <laughs> we'll serve it all up right away. Thank you so much, Bridget, for having me. This is an exciting conversation. Um, yeah. So this is a self-published book. It's called Cycle Charting for Single Women. And then the subtitle, it's a mouthful, but it's called The Catholic Woman's Guide to Charting Your Menstrual Cycle for Health and Wholeness. And so this book is really what I see as kind of an extension of the work that I've been building out through Pearl and Thistle over the past five years, let's say. Um, and it's kind of rounding out my lifelong body literacy education kind of plan. So what I see is a model of body literacy education where girls from the very beginning learn how to understand what's going on in their bodies. And so like incrementally over the years, we can add on to what we know about our bodies, how our bodies function, how our cycles work to give us health, right? And to, to be, to help us be the people that we were made to be. And so this book in particular is speaking to a single woman. She could be a young adult, but I've also had women who are approaching perimenopause who are single, who have approached this book. And it's written for her to answer the question of like, what is what is my cycle telling me about my body? Um, how do I kind of heal from some of the scars that I have around poor education about my body growing up or misconceptions that I have about um, how cycle health fits into my overall health? Um, so this book really is something, it's a very quick little resource, but it's meant to help women add that one extra layer of body literacy, which is specifically... When I learn how to chart my cycles, what sort of information does that get me specifically for health? So it doesn't include calculations for fertility. It doesn't include a method of family planning. It really is just a single woman who wants to use her chart for health and maybe to grow in a deeper understanding of how her cycle integrates with her concept of who she is as a woman. That's so great. And it's so needed. I, for those who aren't familiar with Christina or have yet to check out her website, do so because you have so many courses for every stage a woman is in. And I love that you're starting at such young ages for education and including the parent in this process to say like, mm. how do we have these conversations so that this is an open free flowing conversation. This isn't just like 
it's not happening at home. It's not happening at school. It's maybe happening with friends or it's not. It's like, you get to be a part of this as a parent. And then as you're like, you know, as you're getting older, like this book is really meant for a woman to say like, okay, what do I do? I now, like, what do I do as a young adult, as an Mm -hmm. adult, as an older adult Mm -hmm. to understand and actually embrace my body, which is so foreign in our culture right now. And I, and we're seeing statistically what's going on the happiness rates and scores for women are lower than they Abysmal. have been yeah. and and I think like we're we're seeing some of this is because of the fact that we turn off our bodies mm-hmm. and we're not actually embracing the fullness of who we are and showing up fully ourselves so your mm-hmm. book does a great job in helping women to practically do this and we're not just saying in the theoreticals or the the hypotheses of what could happen or if we did perhaps change something you're you're giving women a toolkit of this is how you can actually change it yeah. And I like different. Yeah. I feel like I do need to articulate too, that, that this book actually will teach you how to chart your cycles. Like it will teach you how to observe cervical fluid. It will teach you how to observe uh, basal body temperature, how to do basic hormone testing with LH kits. Like it's not a book that's like, here's the idea of cycle charting, right? It does that. It lays out the idea why we would want to learn how to chart our cycles, what it can tell us, but like, it actually will teach you how to do it. Um, yeah. which is so, so it's not a book that's that's kind of like this pie in the sky, like, here's why we need this information. It really is meant to be just like a quick down and dirty, like, let's get into it. Let's learn how to do it really quickly. And then obviously you can build out from there if you find that there's further applications for cycle charting in your life. Which is great because I think it's that both end. Like, let's explain a little bit why, and now let's actually do it. Let's apply it and see what you can learn about yourself and your body and what's going on, which is huge. Okay. So why do you think it's important for this to be a Catholic book? Would it mm-hmm. not enough to make a charting resource that even secular women could use? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yes. I, I think that from the standpoint of health, like every woman needs to get this information. I don't think that absolutely every woman needs to chart her cycle in order to be a fulfilled human being. Like that would be kind of silly to say, but we at least need to know that this information is out there and is available to us as an option. Like, and that's something that you do really, really well at managing your fertility, Bridget, that just getting it out there and letting people know what their options are so that they can make informed decisions. Um, For me, what I have been noticing is this interesting interplay in the sphere of fertility awareness in the last, let's call it 15 years. It's a little bit longer than that, but it's very acutely in the last 15 years. So Kind of historically, the Catholic Church has been the steward or the keeper of the family planning methods, right? (laughs) Like for a really long time, the secular world was not at all interested in this, right? They were doing other things. And that's that's okay. That's fine. Um, But as we have gained more scientific information about how our cycles are actually really vital to health, right? ACOG says for girls, they are a vital sign of health. Um, more and more, I think secular women are picking up on this and saying, hang on, right? We can take some of the science that has been kind of curated by the church. We'll do some more experiments. We'll develop out some methods. We'll come up with our own way of doing this. Um, and so now they've kind of taken off with fertility awareness methods and other things that might not be in line with Catholic teaching, um, because of the scientific aspect of of what's there because of the wisdom that's there for our health. What I'm concerned about in the Catholic sphere is that I want the church to still be a steward of this information. So when I was reading through Mulieris Dignitatum by JP2, he had a very interesting thing that he was talking about on women. And 
he talked about um, the importance of knowing and understanding the biological processes of pregnancy and birth. But his line was something along the lines of like, um, but if we leave it at the mere biophysical, right, what is truly essential is lost. Meaning mm. that we have to know the science in order to understand what we're talking about with pregnancy, right? It can't be this abstract theological thing that we're just making up, right? And doesn't actually correspond with the reality of pregnancy and childbirth. But if we leave it at that level, the whole concept of a sacramental world is lost, right? That we have to take the biological level and go beyond it to see what God is revealing to us. And so for me, it's really important for the church to take the wisdom that we're seeing in, in more secular spheres for like applying this information to health potentially um, and to specifically articulate it in a way that goes beyond the mere biophysical, um, that invites women to understand that, yes, this is a crucial part of our life here on earth, but even more than that, it's a crucial part of how we image God. It's a crucial part of how God designed us to live and to, to reflect his image in the world. And so we can't neglect that aspect of the conversation. I don't want that to be left by the wayside. That's so awesome. I, I just, I really like what you are ending with here from JP too, and talking about how the the physical reality leads to the, the spiritual, the theological realities of our mm-hmm. understanding of the body. It's not one or the other. It's right. both. Yeah. And, and it has to be both, right? We can't, yes. we can't understand the spiritual nature of human beings unless we understand our physical nature too, because technically there is no, there's no separate natures in human beings. To be human is to be body and soul, right? Right. Um, and so, so I wanted to, I wanted to write a book that, that would address that kind of, that kind of need for women to be able to explore this concept and to make sure that the church was kind of paving the way in helping women articulate and think through this. Mm-hmm. Well, it's needed because I think when you do have that separation where I think the church can be viewed as it's only spiritual, like somehow planning mm-hmm. a family is only a spiritual reality or, or charting your cycle or whatever. And so mm-hmm. there's like the misinterpretation there, but then to have, you know, what we see outside of the church, we're having all the science applied, but we're lacking the conversation. Like you said about that integration of body and soul, you're missing the why, like the deeper why is not mm-hmm. there. And so it's not really motivating I would think like to really invest your time and energy into learning your cycle when things don't go well, or it doesn't make sense because it starts to get hard. And it's like, well, what's the point of this aside from a high level awareness that I think some could ask that question, not everyone, but I Mm -hmm. think it points to that disintegration that we see so often in the human person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Agreed. And this is one of the reasons why I'm not somebody who talks a lot about like the really nasty side effects of birth control. Like there, I mean, you could scroll through and it could be like a doomsday list of like all of the things <laughs> that people experience as side effects while they're on the pill. And and that's important information to get out there. But I feel like my the importance of my voice, it's kind of trying to know like who who should be saying what, right? I think I feel like the importance of my voice is to make sure that people also understand that like the church is not against birth control because of bad side effects, right? Those are bad things that we should be aware of and we should try to avoid and we should understand. Um, But ultimately, even if birth control had zero bad side effects, the church would still be against it as a form of family planning because the thing that it does is it disrupts the natural design of our body. 
right? It's taking birth control or, you know, using condoms or things like that, like basically says, we know better how to design this system than you did, God, right? That's why the church is against it. And so when we kind of like start talking about the health benefits of keeping our natural cycles intact, there's also a little bit of theology going on there that like, oh, maybe it's actually better for us to keep our bodies the way that God designed them to work. So there's a little bit of wisdom to be gleaned there. And I want to make sure we're articulating that too. Yeah, I think that gets lost a, a lot of times when we're talking about, especially with hormonal contraception, it's really easy because so many women report such varying side effects and it's not a small yes. percentage of women. It's becoming a growing number of women who are really interested in alternative options. But then when you get down to it and someone goes, well, wait, why can't a married couple use a condom? If there really aren't that many side effects aside from maybe some environmental toxins, like, you know, take right. that or leave it, whether, you know, you, you decide and weigh out if that's worth it or not. It's like, mm -hmm. yeah, but ultimately like the church isn't going to support that either. And here's why. Mm -hmm. And that's the piece that gets lost on a lot of people to understand that or is not articulated well. Right. Right. So I'm glad you're doing it because it's needed. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it really yeah, well, is. And, I, and I'm glad, I mean, just to kind of like round out the conversation too, like I'm, I'm glad that there are other organizations like, like yours, Bridget, like all the conversations you have here that are articulating some of those other things that like, I don't have the bandwidth to do. And this is why I'm just like, you, I mean, you know me, I preach all the time. I'm like, we all need to do our part. Like, all of our voices are important. This is the body of Christ. Like every voice is important in this conversation and it it needs to happen. It needs to be all facets of this conversation. So, which is so necessary. It is because otherwise to expect one person to do this is crazy, right? Like, we should be able to think about when we think of this topic and it's like, oh my gosh, I think there's like at least 20 people I can think of, but I'm sure there are more. And like, we don't Mm -hmm. necessarily have that right now. Um, but I think it's growing and it's becoming more and more that way because people are willing, wanting to connect, willing to connect, wanting to collaborate because we see such a great need. And there are mm -hmm. so many women and couples who are looking for answers. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's so many different ways to articulate good answers too. Um, so like one of the interesting conversations I've been having about this book is, you know, it's called cycle charting for single women. Right. And so for some women, they're going to be like, yes, this is a book that is for me. Right. Like I wanted to put single women on the cover because so often it can feel like natural family planning or fertility awareness methods, even though a lot of instructors will happily work with single women. Right. It may feel off putting to like try and knock on the door and be like, oh, am I allowed to like come to this class? Cause I'm a single woman. I wanted to give her permission, like pick up this book. This is for you. But at the same time, I also know that there's a woundedness that exists in, in women when they find themselves single and didn't, didn't plan on it to be that way at this stage in life. And they didn't think that they would need to be learning about their cycles approaching menopause in a single state. Like that's, that's a challenge. That's a real pastoral need. And so, you know, my book, Cycle Charting for Single, like if you if you are feeling woundedness in your singlehood at all, like maybe this is not the right book for you. Like I want to be clear about that. Um, so, so clearly I think that there's a lot of open doors. There's a lot of open spaces for people to be ministering to one another and for these conversations to be happening. So um, thank you for opening up some of the space to do that, Bridget. Oh, absolutely. I'm so glad we get to sit down together and actually talk about this because I think this is, it's, it's like you said, it's so needed and there's so many different avenues into which a, a woman can be able to find 
help and support. And now they, now they get to know you if they don't know you already, which we just need to keep building out this network. We need to keep building out this awareness for people to recognize there isn't just one way to do this. Exactly. Many different ways to do this. And it can fit the desires that you have or the, the brokenness that's part of your story or the woundedness that you're working through, whatever it might be. There is someone who can serve you. And I, I want to be able to highlight the people that are doing the work so that mm-hmm. people know they're not alone because it's the isolation that just crushes us, mm-hmm. especially as women, when we're already feeling like, okay, I guess my only option is potentially through your, through your medical professional, this is my only option, or yep. I don't have that much support, or I'm given these three things to do and that's it. Mm-hmm. And, and there be so much more that you could do and you're not alone in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I want, I want to know a little bit more, like for a woman using this book, we touched on it a little bit, but I just want to like close the loop. Yeah. So someone's really clear, like woman picks up your book. She's excited to use it. Maybe she's a little nervous. Yeah. That's fair. (laughs) Um, What does it look like to use this book? What's your hope, your intention for this book and what they're going to get out of it too? Yeah. So this book is, I mean, it's, it's coming in at a little under a hundred pages. So, um, it has, it has some heft to it, but it's also not going to be hopefully too overwhelming and it's broken up into a few distinct chapters. So the first one just kind of gives you an introduction to like, well, why would cycle charting be important and what is actually going on in our cycles? I feel like that education piece is missing for a lot of us, or at least it was for me when I was in my twenties. Um, and so then it will walk through the practicals of like, okay, well, how do you keep a chart, right? So I have a paper chart option, but I have app recommendations. If you're the sort of person that wants an app, right? How do you keep a chart? What are you observing? How do you observe your cervical fluid? Um, and then it talks through, okay, now that we're charting, now that we've got some data to look at, like, how do we identify ovulation? Because that really is the key part of your cycle, right? We think about periods, as like the most important thing in our cycle, but without ovulation, you don't actually have a period, right? You have some other order sort of anovulatory bleed. And part of charting for health is understanding when am I having periods and when am I having another type of hormonal bleed? So we look for ovulation. That's what we do in this book using these different biomarkers. And then we say, okay, what can this tell us, right? If I have a relatively late ovulation with a very short luteal phase afterwards, it explains all these terms, but like, you know, what could that mean? What I might, would I want to talk to my doctor about that? Um, so it gives you an expectation of like, kind of what are the normal ranges women see with their cycles? How do we articulate, how do we use our chart to articulate what's going on with our doctor if we were looking for some more help? And then at the end, we kind of all bring it back together and we say, okay, how can I put this knowledge, this very practical knowledge I have about my body at the service of my understanding of myself and therefore my relationship with God, how do I maybe talk about this with other people in my life that I want to share this information with? And it does have recommendations for connecting with a medical professional that would take like a restorative reproductive uh, medical approach in case you kind of come up lacking with your local resources. There are some other options in there. Um, So the idea is you pick up the book, you learn about cycles, you chart your cycles, and then you're prompted to think about this, you know, in, in terms of well, what, what, what does this information actually mean for my life? Um, it could be done by yourself. Uh, I envisioned it as a, as a resource that somebody would pick up and be like a complete self-starter and just learn it themselves. Um, but I've already talked to a number of women that are saying, you know, I really want to do this in the context of like a discussion group or a small group. I want to get, get together like a charting circle of friends. 
I think that's a great idea. And there are discussion and reflection questions at the end of most of the chapters that would very easily make it possible to do that um, as something that you would want to pick up and do with a group. That's so great. I, I Great, great answer. So clear, so concise and, and <laughs> bring it home for me and hopefully for everybody listening, like how would I use this book and what are the ways that I can use it? Um, which I think is really great that there's still a range too, that you can do it yourself. You can, mm-hmm. you can on your own, if that's totally your comfort level and your speed, or if you want to get a group of friends or a larger group of women and go through it together, you can absolutely do that too. So I think mm-hmm. the design to have it as an option for both is really great. So, and touches in, in that, you know, if you are feeling alone or potentially overwhelmed, grab a buddy, like have somebody to do this with. Absolutely. And- yeah. And, and give yourself permission to, I don't want anybody to think of it as a textbook that they like have to get through at a certain pace right? This is all about just coming to know and to appreciate our bodies. And so I do have some sections where I talk about times like you may notice if you start this practice of cycle charting that it gets a little dicey. You may realize that you don't actually like it, that it's not actually serving you, in which case you need to just give yourself permission to put this book down and stop charting. (laughs) And that's okay. It's totally okay, right? Your chart is meant to be useful. If you don't find a utility in it, then it's not serving its purpose, right? Mm-hmm. Well, and I think too, just to speak to that, this is not a textbook going through it. It's, it's beautiful. You have graphics, you break things down, you make it. So it's, it's readable. It's understandable. This isn't a biology textbook. This isn't like going through a college right. cycles <laughs> to be very clear. Cause I think for, you know, for some, if they've read some other books that are out there on fertility, they're either like really, they're, they're chunky, they're big, um, or they're really small. Like I found, mm-hmm. and there's not information or it's like still kind of unclear. So yours is, I think a great size where it's, it really is allowing you to take your time to walk through it, but also not get lost in the process. So you make it really clear, like this is the next step. Here's what we're talking about now. You have great um, analogies in there too, for, for women to think about it differently, which I think helps because I think sometimes if you're someone that you're like, Oh man, biology wasn't my thing. Science is not my forte. Like you don't have to be a scientist to learn your cycle. And I think that's something that gets lost on women and thinking like, oh, I'm not capable of doing that. What mm. I am love is popping a pill, you know, mm-hmm. but it's, there's a reality that you can learn your body any more than we learn, like how we feel on low sleep or not, or our mental health and taking these, these checkpoints to say like, how am I doing? How do I feel eating these certain foods? There is such a great and positive movement around self-awareness that's taking place right now. And this fits so well into it and saying, Mm -hmm. well, how does my cycle impact the way that I'm feeling and what's going on? Could it be connected to other things? And I think that's so helpful to start asking those questions and you don't have to be a scientist to do it. Oh, that's such an excellent point. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted the text to be accessible, whether you're somebody who's like, poured through JP2's theology of the body cover cover and you like you feel like you know all of the theology or whether you're somebody who's who's a doctor who's like oh yeah I I know all of this stuff about my body already like <laughs> I wanted it to be something that's accessible on both the biology and the theology fronts um so I'm glad to hear that that you found it not to be impenetrable shall we say that's no. good <laughs> okay so you know as, as always it's tied into this terminology and things mm-hmm. that help people up. I love that on your cover, you actually say, and I'm looking at it right now, cycle charting for single women. And you talked about this, why you called it out. I, th- I think there's a confusion around body literacy, cycle charting, fertility awareness. Does it matter? Do we get too stuck on terminology? Like I w- I'd like your hot take on this. Ooh, I don't know. I feel like I don't, I don't have very many hot takes. I have like moderately warm takes on many things. <laughs> 
I'll so, take that too. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, here's my moderately warm take. Um, so I, I've chosen to call this cycle charting because that is what you will learn how to do with this book, right? Um, so the way that I kind of think about things, the, the big umbrella term for what I do is body literacy. And that is simply learning to read the signs that our body gives us relative to our menstrual cycles, right? That is body literacy for women. What that can mean is simple cycle awareness. When we are 10 years old, right, for starting our cycles for the first time, like being aware of what's going on in our body, right? That's the first step, right? So I think about these things as kind of, as I said before, like incremental steps along the same journey, right? So you can be aware of your cycles at first, right? Understanding what's going on. And then you can actually begin to like observe and keep track of what's going on. And that's called charting because we keep a chart, right? Now you could use that information for health, for, for diagnostics, you know, if you're charting with a NAPRO person to get help with, with the Creighton fertility care system, right, then you could be cycle charting to investigate any number of reproductive issues, right? You may have actually zero interest in applying that information to understanding fertility, which is related to ovulation, absolutely. Um, it's, it's inextricable from ovulation, but you're just asking different questions with the same information, Right. And so um, fertility awareness, I would see as the application of knowledge gained from cycle charting. Right. And then even one step further, like you can use your knowledge of fertility to then plan your family, which would be natural family planning. Right. So I, I see that all of these terms represent just like different stages along the same journey of body literacy. Um, that that some women will only pick up this information beginning with family planning. Maybe that's the only application for keeping a chart that they've ever been taught about. But there are other applications for keeping a chart. And so I think that, you know, falling down hard on one side and be like, we have to say fertility awareness or we have to say family planning. I'm like, well, we, we could be a little more nuanced than that. I think that there are a lot of good terms that we could apply. And if we're finding different utilities for using a chart, it's okay to be able to articulate those different things and to understand the key is like, do we understand what we're all saying here? Right? Like, yeah. <laughs> I like what you're saying that it's about being on a journey because there is the spectrum. It's like, well, it depends on where you are mm -hmm. in your season of life. Yeah. So I, I like that the body literacy is like that umbrella term. And then underneath that, it's like, okay, and here are the different phases because it is all about really at, at its core, it is understanding your body. Mm -hmm. It's making sense of like, what is your body telling you and how mm -hmm. are you interacting with the different systems in your body and how you can learn from that information and how you can mm -hmm. apply it potentially if you're married to family planning, but maybe you don't feel called to doing that and you don't want to use it in that context. You don't have to, but you can still be aware of your body and that can serve a great purpose in doing yeah. that too. Yeah, that's why I just, I love the term body literacy because it also always reminds me of just like the process. I mean, I have, I have kids, right? And so I have watched the process of them learning how to read, like learning how to become literate. And it's, it's clearly like, there are a lot of different steps in there, right? That we could isolate and teachers know better than I could how to articulate that. But body literacy, right? Could also be different from body fluency, right? Literacy is not the same as fluency, right? And you can achieve fluency through all sorts of different <laughs> different paths to get there, right? Um, there's no one way that we have to kind of build out this, this literacy model, but th the goal is fluency. The goal is to be 
as integrated as we can and in touch as we can with our body in in a way that that serves us and our path to understanding and holiness and service to the world, right? Let's just apply it all the way there. Well, and with that, we're going to wrap up the podcast. No, just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) But I really like that. I think that's just like really uh, such a great response as I've, you know, just lately just looked to see, okay, what are the people saying? Mm-hmm. for the following on Instagram like what what do you resonate with why would you resonate with that and people had so many interesting answers and it totally depended on their season of life yeah, and, and I think that through. makes sense right I, I think that totally makes sense if we talk about anything else in life like you know people who have been married for 25 years will have very different experiences to dwell on when they're talking about I don't know almost anything like how do you manage Christmas cards I don't know like <laughs> <laughs> People have hot takes on Christmas cards too. So like, and it's okay. It's all right. That's so good. Yeah. Okay. So related to this, why do you think body literacy is important for today's world? We're touching on this, but like, what's Mm -hmm. your, what's your big takeaway that you find? Like, this is why I do it. This is why I talk about it. Well, I continue to talk about it because I... (laughs) Honestly, because I don't see any way not to at this point. I am so deep (laughs) in it that I'm like, this is what I do now. Um, But one of the things that I have been surprised by, I guess I started being a natural family planning teacher in 2013. Okay. So like 10 years ago, that's a long time ago. Um, But in the grand scheme of where the world has gone in those 10 years, it really feels like a huge amount of time. And what I was very surprised by is when I first started developing my cycle prep program, which is my my first period course that I have for parents and daughters to do at home. This was maybe four or five years ago when I was building out this course. I had zero concept that by the time my course launched in 2020 and then gained a little bit more momentum in 2021, it would actually be... Um, what is the word I'm looking for? Um, it would be countercultural to market this course to girls, right? Mm-hmm. To to use the language of girls and women exclusively in my programming. I had zero concept that that would be something that would like make cycle prep stand out. <laughs> and here I am, right? Um, yeah. Saying to myself like. You know, I've I've gotten some some comments on Instagram and I've gotten some things. Mostly I fly under the radar of people who, you know, have a different agenda than I do. Um, but I but I think where we are right now, body literacy is so, so, so important because we are losing the ability to articulate why our bodies matter in society at large we've we've lost the ability to say why why it matters that there's meaningful distinctions between the sexes and those those are embodied distinctions right those actually dwell in our physical being um and so part of what i am discovering the mission of pearl and thistle is um is to make sure that girls and women are able to understand the complexity and the uniqueness and the dignity of their female bodies, even if it's uncomfortable sometimes, even if it's re- it feels really embarrassing sometimes and we have a hard time talking about it, like these are important things we need to talk about. 
So for me, um, part part of what I see the need is that we need to be we need to be providing resources that really, really ground the reality of our personhood in our womanhood. Mm-hmm. Um, that 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 really needs to be an important part of how we orient ourselves towards towards the world these days as as Catholic women. Um, so so yeah, I mean, broader broader conversations about health are absolutely necessary absolutely necessary that we need to have about informed consent and and better medical care for women i mean all of these things are just so so important and dwell on my heart but at the end of the day i want women to understand that their body is not an impediment to holiness it is the vehicle for holiness and that's it that's that's what drives me to do this work that's so beautiful it really is i and i don't say that lightly i think um just as you were saying, I'm I'm taking notes too because I think just this understanding of being rooted in our personhood, mm-hmm. and with and and actually understanding like our dignity and who we are made to be, and that there's purpose in that. There is a reason for it, and it's not it's not this flippant idea or ideal. It is mm-hmm. so essential to who we are and understanding who we are, and that it, mm-hmm. we matter. We matter as women. Our bodies matter, and they actually do tell a story. And that's mm-hmm. not a cliche. They really do. And to mm-hmm. lean into that story and understand it and to read it and to know it creates mm-hmm. an opportunity for so much freedom in our lives and to make sense of the areas where there's brokenness, where there's suffering too, mm-hmm. because otherwise it can feel like my body is against me mm-hmm. yeah. um, when it's, when it's not, you yeah. know, there are, there are aspects of brokenness that can play out and that can mm-hmm. feel that way, but that's not the truth of our bodies and who we are. Mm-hmm. Well, and and even from, you know, the, the secular standpoint, like we have research that goes back, you know, 20, at least 20 years at this point, showing that girls who are properly educated about puberty and who are affirmed in that change actually have significantly less anxiety about puberty. They have a better experience of their first period when it happens. And I think I, I worry about all of our young people these days that are being taught to fear the functions of their bodies, to distrust the functions of their bodies. Puberty is a time that's not comfortable. I'm not I'm not going to be the person to stand on the street corner and be like, you should love your bleeding days. You should like, I just, I don't know. It's not me. Um, like it, it's, un- <laughs> it's uncomfortable. And I think we, if we're not honest about that, that we're not honest about the experience we sometimes have. Like some women just absolutely love their period days and other women hate them. And they're really, really awful experiences. And we, both of those things need to be listened to, Right. Um, but at the same time, what we need to say is we need to decrease the anxiety as much as we can, because when you do have a bad experience with your periods or with your cycles, if you have a health issue that pops up and it manifests in your cycles, um, if you don't understand that your body is more than a sexual object for pleasure, right, that there is a design and an intention and a purpose to this, then what's going to happen when something uncomfortable happens, you're going to want to dissociate. You're going to want to say, you know what, I don't feel like I belong in this body because it's uncomfortable or because, you know, I, I don't want to be a sexual object or I don't this, that or the other. Right. Um, I think that when we're looking at what's going on with young people today, wanting to dissociate from their bodies, a huge part of that could be due to the lack of education we have about the process of puberty, what it's like, what it's for, 
Um, so there, there's also that element too. Yeah. The disassociation piece is so real. And, and if we're not honest, I'm just thinking about, as you were saying that, I think about with NFP too, how we're like, it's the most beautiful thing in the world <laughs> the field, or just like this idea that it's neutral. It's fine. It's neutral. It's great. You know, it's neutral to positive. It's like, well, it can be hard too. Mm-hmm. And we, and we can make space for these different aspects and different stories. Otherwise, like people are just going to feel like, oh, I can't be part of this because right. that's, that's not my story. Right. And puberty is rough. Puberty is rough. So like, if we're just honest about that, nobody wants to go back to that time in their lives, no. right? Like, no, no. If you ask, <laughs> what, what time would you go back in time to? No one will ever say 12 or 13. Like, no, <laughs> not going to happen. And you no. can have all the body literacy in the world, and the most positive experience, which I like, you know, to some extent, I feel like I did with my mom. She's really positive about it. We didn't talk about it all the time, but it was like prepping me for this. And it was still mm-hmm. like, oh, die. And she was just like, okay, we've talked about this. You know, like every <laughs> child clearly has a different experience and that's okay. Yes. They can still like, it can still be in a, in a sense positive because like, you're still talking about it. Like I wasn't mm-hmm. completely unaware and like terrified, but it was still like, <laughs> oh, no. mm-hmm. this, and then you, then like, it was okay because I had support. Mm-hmm. And that's what women need. I know so many, just so many friends that I think about where they're like, I had no idea, or I didn't even think I could ask my mom. I was embarrassed. Like so many narratives come up, so many emotions that mm-hmm. again, this is why I think it's so great. The work that you're doing mm. to help build these conversations and to say like, how, how do we change the narrative so that we're not disassociating? We're not numbing out and we're not saying right. like, make it stop, turn it off. I hate this. Right. Right. Okay. So related to all of this. So what are the, some of the positive outcomes that you've seen mm. when women chart for themselves? Well, so, I mean, I've had so many interesting conversations with women. And again, as you said, like the experience is really, really unique. I think a lot of it depends on, well, what's your motivation for beginning charting in the first place? And I would say for the vast majority of women that I've directly accompanied, um, it's it's learning to chart their cycles as a single woman because they're having other health issues. Um, so I've I've had the pleasure of working with a number of clients who have picked up um, cycle charting, and you know they're doing it because they need to track migraines. Um, they're doing it because they have like really bad IBS symptoms that they need to track along with their cycles, or they're they're you know investigating all sorts of other things. Um, and so for them, like I've. I, I have one woman featured in the book who who just talked about like she finally felt like charting helped her to um, synthesize and to integrate all of these other symptoms that she was experiencing through her body. And she saw how they lined up with her cycles, right? She saw how they were tied to her hormonal shifts. And all of a sudden it was like, she felt like she had body literacy for the first time. She felt like she actually understood what was going on, even if she didn't have total control of everything, because we never do, Right at least you can say, I see how this fits, right? I'm not crazy. I'm not making this up. How many of us think that we're crazy and that we're making up symptoms, right? Like, and then when you put it <laughs> down on a chart, you're like, holy cannoli, like I, I'm not crazy, right? There is a rhythm to this and I can see it and I can understand it and I can articulate it. That's hugely empowering. Um, but one of the more fascinating things that I heard from somebody was from a woman who had been on hormonal birth control for a number of years. And um, she obviously experienced depression 
well, well, she was on the pill. Um, she just felt very like emotionally numb, felt like there just wasn't a lot of color in her life, like classic sorts of symptoms. Um, she said that when she finally got off birth control and started charting her cycles, it was like she could finally pray again. Hmm. And I, I still have to stop and I have to think about this because I've thought about this a lot, but she basically was saying that like, she didn't feel like she was herself while she was taking birth control and she didn't feel like she could bring herself to prayer. And so it was, so it was almost for her, like this veil had been opened when she learned about her body. And then she was able to just like remove those hormones, right. And, and begin praying in different ways. Um, and I talked with her, I was like, well, do you think that your prayer is like different at different times in your cycle? And she's like, oh, well, my prayer is authentic to my mood, right? Like if I want to give my whole self to God, I have to give him everything that I'm going through. And she's like, of course, yeah. Then my prayer changes as I go through my cycle. Like, and I can observe that and I can kind of know when I'm going to be grumpier in my prayer life. I can kind of know the things that I'm already going to tell God. Um, so she and I actually, I, I was like, me, would you want to, like try charting like an examine, a nightly examine with your cycles to see like, where do you find your consolations and your desolations? And sure enough, like she put it together and she was like, I can, I see patterns of consolations and desolations in my cycle because of just, you know, my hormonal state, my emotional state that's underlying everything. I was like, that's so fascinating. I'm so intrigued. And I don't know that every woman is going to have that stark of an experience. I don't expect that that would be the case, but this was something that she was particularly attuned to and excited to articulate when she began the process of cycle charting. So this is something that very clearly was a gift that that she was given to be able to articulate and experience. I have never heard of something like that, but as you described it, it makes sense Mm. how that, how you could be attuned and in a sense, like integrate and understand like your emotional responses. I mean, I just think about like, well, we can do it when we think of relationship with other human beings, like, Mm -hmm. Oh, you know, like we, we use it. I mean, I I don't know. We've used it as not an excuse, but just as a reason for like, Oh, my period's coming. This is when I get a little more irritable. I need to get a little more sleep or I just need a little more alone time before I'm like with people, whatever Mm -hmm. the experience might be. It's like, well, how, yeah. I mean, wouldn't that make sense that it would also impact the relationship we're building with God because that is also relationship. And yeah. so maybe my desire to pray is less when I'm going through my period, because that's my time to hibernate. Maybe it's more depending on how you, you know, lean into prayer when you're happy or upset or scared or whatever the emotion may be. I think that's so fascinating. I've, mm-hmm. I've never put that together that that also could have impact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I guess just as a little teaser, as we're kind of coming to the close here. So I do have a book coming up with OSB this next spring, um, and it's called uh, The Language of Your Body, Embracing God's Design for Your Cycle. And one of the chapters that I have in that book is about prayer, um, because after after speaking with this woman and talking with a couple of other women who also did this sort of like charting their um, their examines in conjunction with their cycles, like there are some things that we can we can get out of that. And so I do have a chapter in that book that that's about prayer and about, um, ways to consider harnessing, um, the changes that you experience in your cycle to deepen your prayer life and to be more authentic in the way that you present yourself in prayer. So cool. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. That's so great. 
I'm sure I, well, I'm just thinking like, oh man, I want to get that pre-order link in the show notes. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> I just think it's so incredible how God makes us. It really, yeah. Just to, mm-hmm. you know, just to take that, like you take that step back and you're like, oh my gosh, all of these things are connected. This is integration. Mm-hmm. This is what it means. Is like, you know, we're not going to have per- perfect integration in this world. We're not, no. but the no. desire to, you know, seek that out and to live as integrated as we can be is such a gift. And we are still given these opportunities to do that and taking that mm-hmm. information to say, okay, like, can my prayer life, can I better understand my prayer life, my relationship with God or where it's lacking as a woman through my cycle and the emotions that I go through and the, the physical changes that I'm experiencing every month. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can. And you can mm-hmm. use that for good. You know, it's not right. out of scrupulosity or, an, a, you know, an, or in an erotic sense of like, okay, now I'm going to tailor everything so perfectly. It's like, no, it's not about perfection. And that, right. that's one of my final questions for you, because you talk about this in the book, progress over perfection. I think it can be so hard in, mm-hmm. in this like integration and living towards a more whole life. Um, I can kind of sound this pie in the sky, this really like beautiful ideal, but it, I think we can tend to put all of the work on us. And it applies also with just the specifics of charting that Mm -hmm. if you miss a day or multiple days, it's like, Oh, this isn't for me. I've screwed up. I can't do this. Mm. What would you say? You know, what would you say to that? Oh my goodness. Well, I, I mean, I talk to my clients about that all the time that like, no one's going to be a perfect charter. I'm not a perfect charter, right? I miss days. I, you know, but the, the beauty of body literacy. I mean, yeah. Okay. If you're using this for natural family planning, like you need to have protocols to like cover your gaps. Like (laughs) that's where you should, (laughs) you should have an instructor that you can have on speed dial and be like, Christina, I did this thing with my monitor again. And I'll be like, it's okay. Let's just, you know, let's work it out together. That's fine. But in general, right. We are going to have gaps. We're going to have days where like data doesn't get put on our charts. And ultimately that just has to go back to the question of like, well, what am I doing this for? Am I, am I charting so that I can get an A plus on the, the imaginary chart test, right? Am I charting so that I can like impress my instructor and make them think that I'm like more with it than I actually am? Please don't do that. Like, (laughs) (laughs) no, the, the question is like, why am I embarking on this practice? And so, you know, what you were talking about with, um, you know, not, not to be overly scrupulous with things, right? Like for me, right? The reason that I chart is because I use a natural family planning method, right? And and ultimately for me, that was the, the reason that I started charting. It wasn't for health, but I have gained a huge amount of insight into my health over the years through the practice of cycle charting that has kind of like added up, which is great. Um, but then in addition to that, like maybe I minimally try to do some business planning around my cycles, but like, do I cycle sync the food that I'm eating? No. I have four kids. I'm not going to do that. Right. Do I, do I intentionally cycle sync my prayer life? No, I, (laughs) these are all things that I like, I kind of think about, right. And occasionally they come to mind and I say, you know what, I'm struggling right now. Is there wisdom that I can pull from what I know that will help me to get through this current moment? Right. And, and that's where I think that the difference between perfection right? And just having utility is so important because if you find something useful from your practice of cycle charting, then, then, then it's fulfilling its purpose, right? You don't have to be a perfect charter in order to have some basic body literacy and to say, you know what, I kind of understand 
why I just lit into my coworker today. And that was maybe not a good thing. Right. <laughs> I think this is just a basic aspect <laughs> of, of, of life that we can, we can give ourselves grace by allowing ourselves to not focus on like the, the, the nitty gritty details of every single day, but just to say like, why, how does this help me better understand my body and myself? Right. And how can I use this to serve and to respond better, more authentically? Um, and so if your chart looks like Swiss cheese, like with missing data points all over the place, right. Even if you're using this information for family planning, um, you know, obviously talk to your instructor, instructor, if this is like an impediment to you using your method of family planning. But at the end of the day, like if you have enough information for it to be useful for what you want to use your chart for, that's, that's good enough. That's beautiful. Do that. I love that. I really do because I think we can get so hung up in that it has to be perfect and you you summed it up so beautifully like it no it, it does not it does not need to be it's not then it's not serving its purpose if that's what we're obsessing over right because yep. it's just not worth it and then we're going to find that we're not wanting to do it or we just have this like negative mindset towards charting and we're like oh ugh, ugh, mm-hmm. I don't want to do this thing and it's like well it's not going to help you in any way and you're not going to see any connections because all you're trying to do is just muscle through charting and that's not worth it either Right. Yep. Christina, thank you so much for being on, sharing about your book, talking about all these different aspects related to body literacy, which I think is so helpful. So I hope that for individuals who are listening, whether single or not, that they share this with a friend, because I think this is so helpful to broaden the conversation and recognize what's at stake. Like what we're talking about isn't simply like understanding, do you know cervical fluid or not? This is like, do you understand like this connection of your body to being a woman and understanding like how God made you and that you can lean into this and that there's freedom here for you. This isn't, Mm -hmm. this isn't just some like cute little like quote from Pinterest about living in freedom with your cycle. Like this is real, like you work with many, many women um, and your clients have information and data to to share that like this, this is real, this works. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's so good. So for people who want to find you, we have your website in the show notes, links to your courses, your Instagram account, and then of course, link to the book so they can get their own copy directly. Thanks so much, Bridget. Thank you so much for having me and for this fun conversation today. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe, share with your friends and help expand the conversation around women's health. If you're loving the podcast, could you please leave a review? I want these conversations to get into the headphones of more men and women to invite them on a journey of wholeness too. Thank you so much in advance. It means so much to me. You can find more support for charting, instructor guidance, guides, courses, and more by visiting my website, www.managingyourfertility.com. You can also find me on social media at Managing Your Fertility. And don't forget to subscribe to my email list for exclusive content and weekly conversations. Thank you so much for being here. Until next time. Thank you for helping next generation of women like me. Thank you.